Next Legacy. My man, my man, let's get it started. This is Charles. I am Brandon Madison of Next Legacy Radio, and I have this gentleman here who has a plethora of things going on right now in his continuing illustrious career. And um, I just feel like this man is for the people. I mean, this man is an incredible athlete. This man has accomplished a lot thus far and still continuing to push this level. You can follow this man all over social media. Hit up AC Earl, A-C-I-E Earl. You can definitely go to VenomSportsTraining.com. And uh, Mr. Earl, it's a pleasure to have you on Next Legacy. What's up, my guy? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Great to be man, here. Man, I want to I I start off top, man, by just telling you, man, I, I appreciate um, – all the things that you are continuing to do because um, I'm just going to talk about just, you know, how I feel when I've, you know, gotten, I've just had this opportunity to have dialogue with you, but just going through your resume, um, just taking a look at some of the stuff that you're active in and we need more opportunity for people to talk about all the positive things that they are doing to pay it forward, give back to people and help inspire people. We need a, a lot of that in this day and age all across the world. I see that you were doing it. I want to put you on this pedestal, sir, and tell you thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to uh, leave legacies and inspire people to push it forward, man. We don't get that many props up top for that, so I got to tell you that to start off. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you much. Man, so so how are things going, man? Tell me a little bit about what everything that you have going on right now, and if there's uh if there's any way that uh we could be able to do something moving forward when it comes to that. But as you talk about that, I want you to talk about the Thirteen Rules single that you have out right now, and you being an ambassador for Thirteen Rules. Talk to talk to us and the listeners about that, man. Yeah, so. We were in Toronto in August for our uh, our first ever Toronto Raptor OG reunion. Most of the founding members of the Toronto Raptor, I'm one of the first uh, Toronto Raptors ever to be drafted in the expansion draft back in 1995. Yeah. We did a reunion this year. Um, there was one scheduled during COVID, but it got canceled. So it was about four or five of us that were up there at the time, me, Tracy Murray, Jimmy King, Marcus Camby. Um, so we were put together with a couple of the Toronto dancers at the time. Um, we actually had a dance team. We were the first NBA team to have a dance team. Uh, wow. So they were cheerleaders and dancers. And there were two dancers who were actually aspiring singers. And one is, uh, Dinaj. She actually travels around the world to this day. Mm -hmm. So she's the background singer on the song. Um, so we were there doing a bunch of interviews. We had hosted some parties and things, and we were asked to come over and do a background, uh, on a song. Like we didn't really know kind of what we were doing. We just had a bunch of things we had to do. They said, Hey, come over for 30 minutes. So we were just in the studio kind of vibing. The music was playing. We were hanging out, just having a good time. They were filming video, and we hadn't seen each other in 20, 30 years. And so, it, you know, we just made a fun two or three hours out of it, you know. And uh, 
so you know the we were we're, we're featured on the on the uh, chorus or the hook, and uh, I just kind of started ad libbing it and just kind of you know having fun with it, and you know the mics okay. were on, and um, yeah, it was just kind of like a studio. You know, you put a bunch of people in the studio, you, you're gonna get good things most of the time. <laughs> So, no doubt. you know, we, we were just being creative, and I was just adding some ad-libs and some hooks and, and, you know, just kind of freestyling with it and doing a lot of, doing it a lot of different ways, and the producer liked it and the writer liked it, uh, which was, you know, Dave Strickland, and uh, and that's how it just, that's how it just, it kind of took its own formation, and, um uh, and you know the song has a lot of historical uh, significance as it it uh, it depicts James Naismith, James Naismith, and his thirteen rules of success and thirteen mm-hmm. rules of basketball and things of that nature. And you know Toronto plays a role because it was one of the first sites and venues of the first one of the first NBA games in Canada. Uh, I think it played an NBA team, I believe, from New York. Uh, so it, you know, it just it has a whole lot of history, a whole lot of different things that uh, for historians of basketball. So let, let me before I touch on that, let me touch on this because you know I, I'm I'm listening to you and I'm hearing you know about this 13 rules movement and the single everything like that. So you you've been a you've been a low key music guy, but like you said, you get yourself in the booth, you never know what comes out, but. I mean, you've always you've always had some passion when it comes to music, right? Yes, I mean, I was a I was a first like generation hip hopper. Like I was fortunate to grow up right when rap was coming. So I, yeah, I, I you know I tell stories. I've heard you know Curtis Blow basketball the breaks in a park on a jam box. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I've heard a lot of music in the street, like people break dancing and like. Like, I grew up in that era, and that was kind of the first thing I wanted to do. Like, I played basketball, but I was just – I wasn't great at it. All right. Um, and the culture was, was, was hip-hop, rap. That was the culture. Like, everybody wanted to break dance, you know, in the street and do graffiti and pop lock and, you know, put on a radio. Like, that was the culture at the time, like, you know. And so – um you know, even into my early NBA days, like, you know, I had a record label um, for a wow. little bit, and I tried, you okay. know, everybody had, everybody had a record label in those days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was just hey, like, I- you know, that was the first thing. Like, we didn't know, like what you said earlier, kind of like giving back and things of that nature. Like, like we didn't know, like, hey, you can – have a franchise or you can have a car wash or you can, you know what I mean? So right. I think things are a little bit different now because of the cult, like LeBron and Kevin Durant, Steph Curry and, and different Michael mm-hmm. Jordan, different things. You know, we always thought like, okay, you're going to grow up. If you have any money, you can maybe start a record label. Like that was the only thing yeah. that was kind of put in front of us. So like looking back on it, I mean, obviously I love the culture and love you know, being in the industry per se, but it was like, of course, I could have done a million more things with the money that probably would have right. been more lucrative, but, um, you know, it was fun to have a record label. Yeah, and 
AC, check it out. You you threw back something that, you know, I grew up in as well. Just the, the birth of hip-hop, the culture of it, the passion we get from music and creativity and everything that matters to me when it comes to, like, rolling back memories of when I first heard Grandmaster Flash and you mentioned Curtis Blow, when I first heard uh, Run DMC. And I'm going backwards to, you know, that era because that's where I pretty much just came of age with why I'm doing what I'm doing now in radio, right? So a lot of what was paved that way brought us to this section right here. So to hear you talk about it is excellent. And this is why I'm doing radio, man, because of that of that Mecca and where it began. You know what I mean? So it means a yeah. lot, man. Music culture. Yeah, you know, as I as you know, not to fast forward too much, you know, but as I was writing my book, my hundred and thirty five of the most influential hip hop and rap songs of all time is I started talking to some of the young, you know, as I, I talked to all my people, you know, my best friend Hans, who, you know, we grew up together and my college roommates and some of the other people. So as I started talking to the younger generation that are about 30 ish, you know, 30 ish, 40 ish. Yeah. You had to paint the picture. Like how did we, how did we listen to rap and how did they listen to rap? Mm-hmm. And like, as I said, hey, how we listened to it was, you you tuned into a pirate radio station, like at night, at night, or like you put on a, a tape recorder and recorded it, or you gave people tapes when they traveled. Like I used to have one of my best friends who was from D.C. They go back to D.C. like for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you give them a cassette tape. Yeah, and he'd come back he'd come back with a whole bunch of music and we just sit and play it in the room to what we heard. And then we would chop it up on like dual cassette recording devices, you know, and kind of make our own tape. Like mm-hmm. that's one way you got it. Or you just went out to the park, right? You went out to the park and people played it on the jam boxes or you went out and you you went to like a bowling alley or you went to the skating ring and you heard the cars, whatever the cars were playing, right? The cassette yep. tape. Yeah. And that's how you got that's how you got the music. Now for me with basketball, what I loved about playing youth basketball is when I went to basketball camps, you know, you went to these exposure camps with four or five hundred kids. Mm-hmm. And when you spent the night Overnight in the dorm, everybody had a jam box, and you just walked the hallway. And you would hear, like, I'd never forget, I heard UTFO for the first time. Like, yeah. And I was, like, going to take a shower, and I heard, like, the educator rapper, and I was like, that's the educator rapper from K, you know, from, from Roxanne. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what is this? They go, oh, yeah, this is their new album. And you just be in the doorway of dudes you don't even know. And dudes would say, oh, yeah. come on in, man. And they, they fast forward. Hey, you heard this? You heard this? You know, I never forget. I was at another place with in L.A. And, uh, you know, L.A. was weird for me, you know, with rap, right? It was kind of right. it was kind of off the, you know. So you had, like, the Tidy Todd, and you had the Easy E first, and N.W.A. and Ice-T. And you had, like, just weird kind of different groups that really weren't famous, famous. And right. So I never, I remember I heard uh, um, Lemon and Lime from Chris Mills. Okay. Like, uh, and then I heard Battle Ram and I heard, uh, 
like all these Ooh. weird like L.A. groups, you know what I mean? And, and that was all from like the L.A. scene, you know. They were so L.A., you know, um, yeah. you know like square dance, square dance rap. I, and I was like, what is this, you know? Mm-hmm. So like basketball was really intertwined. Like you know, you you. I remember like I used to like Sean Kemp. He he had, he was a big music guy. And, yeah. Uh, Mahmoud Abdul. He was before he was Chris. You know Chris Jackson. He was a big music guy. And you go to these camps, and you would know like to go to these dudes' rooms, and you would hear like stuff you'd never heard before. Mm-hmm. And. I remember I used to make sure I had my jam box like with my batteries and cassettes because I would just be dubbing people's stuff like give me let me dub that let me dub that <laughs> and I you know you dub it you dub it and then you pass the tape back in the morning right hey where's my tape back where's my tape back? you know it you know it right. <laughs> and, and that was, and, I, and, you, and you couldn't wait to get back right you could not wait to get back because when you got back people would come to you Ace Ace man would you get would you get I was like oh man this is wait wait till I get you know, <laughs> and, and you know, so basketball was just as fun for me for that because I came back with music I never had. I mean, people never had, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that was that was a big thing. That's just the way. That's how we got music. That's how we changed rap music, and that's how. Uh, I never forget. I heard uh, what people do for money, like in Birmingham, Alabama. Like we were going on yeah. a family trip to family trip to uh, Disney World. And uh, we had, we had family, my dad had a, uh, our aunt, my grandmother's sister in Birmingham, Alabama. And mm-hmm. so they were, you know, the family was chopping it up and they said, oh boy, go down the street. You know, you guys can walk through the store. Here's a dollar. And I never forget, we walked through the street and somebody had on the street corner, what people do? Oh, <laughs> and, I yeah. was like, and I was just like, what is this? And yeah. I was like, I gotta get this. So like, I ran back in the house. I was like, Dad, I need ninety nine cents for a cassette tape. Yeah. So we went to the store. We went to we went to like Walgreens. We got like a three pack of ninety nine cent tapes, and we you just got gave it. it to the you team. got it. And I said, man, I said, you got to dub this for me. You got to dub. I said, dub whatever you can, you know. And I begged yeah. my mom and dad, like, can we, can we spend the night, please? Can we spend the night? <laughs> you know. And like that—that's how we grew up. Like that's how we exchanged music. That's how music exchange. You know, now the kids just go on YouTube or Spotify or whatever they do. You know, it's different streaming platforms and stuff now. But you know, we did that, and then we we went to record stores, and the record store dude was like it was like your uncle, right? Like that dude that dude knew more about music than like anybody. So, like, you know, like back then, like, the music came out on every Tuesday, right? New Music Tuesday, right? And you went there with your $10, and you were like, hey, what's what's coming out? And you're like, hey, it's a new Houdini. (laughs) You got new Houdini, you got new Fat Boys, got new LL. You got got Ice-T over here. You got, uh, you know, you got Donald D. You got uh, Cool G Rap. You got New Biz. You got New Slick Rick. You got. And 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 you know sometimes they would they would they would play it in the store right when you come there mm-hmm. they play it in the store and and uh, that's how you got it as well you got you went to the record store all the time you know and right. me and right. Hans my buddy Hans was like that he was 
he was a buyer dude. So he, he worked a job at a bookstore and his, he, he, he worked for rap, for hip hop and rap music. So every Tuesday he'd come home and we were roommates. And so like me, I was a dubbing kid guy. Like I, I, I got cool with you and you had music. I had music. We shared music, but Hans was a buyer. So Hans would, would buy and come home every Tuesday with something like he, he come home with nice and smooth and, Diamond D and Fat Joe and all this stuff from the East Coast, right. you know, Health and Skelter and Boot Camp Click, and I'm like, man, who are these cats, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how, yeah. And so, I, like, telling these cats how we used to do it is very unique, right? Ace in the uh, and you know, the book 135 of the most influential hip hop and rap songs of all time. Um, you know, as as I'm listening to you talk about these stories and these memories you have, it takes me back as well to how much music influenced my life as we talked about earlier as well and what we're doing in our profession. And, you know, before I dive into the music part of it, being an OG and original Raptor, you know, watching Mm -hmm. them win a championship in uh, 19 and things like that, you guys paved the way for the way basketball and music per se have moved and shaped that, that, uh, that, uh, Canadian area, that Toronto vibe and how that migrated into it. And you mentioned, you know, one of the, um, you know, uh, you know, influential, you know, moments as far as playing New York and things like that too. So credit where credit's due as far as you and the other OG Raptors as well, but also a, the, the music that you just, I mean, you talked about the music and the memories and, and how much of an effort we need to go. I remember, Ace waiting at Tower Records to go buy a tape when that tape was, the, you know, the the first whatever tape. You know what I mean? I, I, I think about LL and I need a beat and, you know, everything else when it came to just, like, wanting to go get music because music was so much a part of life. Do you remember, not just remember the journey that we had to take. If, if you didn't drive Ace, we had to go catch the bus. We had to go wait in line to Tower Records open, and we had to get it. Once we got home, it was a damn party. And we, we celebrated like it was ours, you know what I mean? Like, now it's easy for everybody to get. So do you think that music, like how we consume music, that we take it for granted in this day and age in 2023? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm still a CD buyer. And all my guys, like, laugh at me and joke. Like, I'm, I need to buy the CD, open it up, yeah. look at the panels, look at all the pictures, read the credits. Yeah. Like, you don't know how many wrecks in my car that I've almost gotten a wreck in my car, <laughs> opening up the yeah. TV and looking at and reading like, and I keep the, when I buy it, I do probably three times a year. I buy five or six CDs off of Amazon, right? I just mm-hmm. go get stuff I haven't got or I lost or, or I crack, C- I crack more CDs in my car because I throw stuff. And I crack the CD. I'm like, dang, I cracked that CD. I need to order it. Right. So I'll go to Amazon and I'll, I'll buy it, you know, cheaply used or slightly used. But, like, mm-hmm. I'm still a CD guy. Like, I need to feel it. I need to open it, feel it, read it, look at the pictures, notice something that the normal person won't notice, right? Right. And I have that. And I, and I keep the CD. I used to have a whole box of CD cases with all the cases with, without the CD in it. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, people would come over and they'd be like, oh, you got that? I'm like, yeah, man. I was like, look at those pictures. Look, You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I remember I, you talk about Tower Records. I bought, I bought the original Big Pun. Uh, okay. In France, the one where the cover, they banned the cover because he had the, um, something with the U.S. flag and the Cuban flag. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember the conversation or the talk about that. Yes. I remember yeah, that. So I bought the, in the, I bought the overseas version. They didn't ban it. So I bought that version in, in France, in Paris at, I believe either tower records or Virgin records. Mm -hmm. um, so I, in France, I would every, every Friday after practice, like we, we would have shoot arounds because we play on Saturday, so we'd have a light day shoot around. And every Friday, I'd go into Virgin Records and buy a CD when I was in France. Wow. So I bought, wow. I bought a GP Wu over there, the GP Wu CD, and I bought Sons of Man because they did a song with a French group over there. It took me like yeah. two months to figure it out, but cause I played in Paris, and all these people were talking about, yeah, Wu Tang, Wu Tang. I am, I am, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And I go to these club, these hip hop clubs, and you yeah. hear this, you'd hear this Wu Tang song, right, with with this group called I Am, and they were they were speaking French, and I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a Wu Tang fanatic. I'm like, no, there is no song with Wu Tang with no French group. I got every CD that Wu Tang has, and right. it turned out it was Sons of Man who did it. So it was like Dreddy Kruger and. Uh, and Royal Fam, they were they were in the they were the ones who did it. So apparently Wu Tang came over in the Triumph in the Triumph tour, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. th and they stayed like a Rizzo stayed like an extra week, and he had all these groups that he was putting out like from France, and so he 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 produced this song with Sons with Sons of Man and this group called I Am, and they, they, and they actually made the book. So I put them in the book because it was the first time a American hip-hop rap group did a song with the overseas group, and the overseas group actually rapped in their native language. Come on, man. That's history right there. And, and hey, the, the, you, you mentioned Paris and how the culture has morphed into there. A lot of influenced uh, hip-hop culture that migrated to overseas has ran rapid, rampant. You hear Germany, you hear all kind of Australia. You oh, hear, yeah, I mean, like when I was, when I was, when I, you know, when I played overseas, like there was a hip hop club in every city. Like, yeah. like, like you go to Munich, you go to London, you go to France, you go to Switzerland, you go to, G I mean, there's, you, you're like, Hey, where's the hip hop club? And I'm telling you, man, it would be banging, and they would go West Coast, East Coast, West Coast, East Coast, and it would be banging, man. It would be bang till four in the morning, and it would be. They would start with the old school, and they went new school, and they and they had everything, man. And I mean, you heard. I remember I was in Turkey, and I heard the Little Wayne remix with with Rock Hill, with Rock Hill. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember what the song was. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the first time I ever heard that, that they was, and I asked all my boys, I'm like, man, what's the song that little Wayne's got with rock Kim? And they'd be like, he doesn't have one. I'm like, yeah, they do. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So 
Yeah, so I mean that was cool being overseas, and because the hip hop culture, you know, basically erupted over there, you know, and um, and the stuff I used to get, like all the Adidas stuff that you you get over there. Like I remember I did a tour with a basketball tour with Adidas when I was with Adidas, and um, I was in the NBA, and we went to mm -hmm. Germany, and Run D they brought Run DMC in, right? Yeah. So I'm staying at the same hotel. Now, now, just think about this, right? I grew up on Run mm -hmm. DMC. That's my first. That's my first favorite rap group is Run DMC. Okay. Like, I know like four or five Run DMC songs, end to end. That's right. I'm in the hotel. I'm in the hotel, and I see two guys come in in the lobby because you know, like we go do our basketball stuff, and then the lobby they give us like free beer and cheese and snacks before dinner. I'm in the lobby, and I see two guys come in with black pants, leather jackets, Stetson hats. And I'm like, that's Jam Master J. Yeah. And then I'm like, that's Runny Ray. That's Runny Ray. You know, Runny Ray was their dude who was on tour with them. He was like their security slash whatever, you know. Right. And and I and I, I did and I go, I go Jay and he go yeah what's up big fella and I go Ronnie Ray and he goes oh you know me and I'm like yeah man mm -hmm. I go what are you guys doing here you guys you know sometimes you always be traveling overseas and there could be a show right in town yeah so I'm like I'm like um, y'all got a show tonight he's like no man you know we're here with Adidas doing that street ball thing he's like oh are you the NBA player I'm like yeah so I'm like. The whole run DMC is here. And they're like, yeah, in Russell, too. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. so my Adidas rep sent me a message like, yeah, like you got dinner at 7 p.m. with run DMC. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, me and my wife at the time, we, we go down, you know, so the dinner's at 7. I'm there like 6.30, right? I'm there like Hell yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm there like 6.30, like sitting, sitting like a little kid, right? I'm sitting like a little kid, like, you know, yeah, sure enough. Sure enough. In comes, in comes Running Ray. In comes Jay. Then Run comes. DFC comes down. Russell comes down. Wow. I'm sitting there having dinner, talking to Run DMC. Wow. Wow. So we have dinner, and then we go to a nightclub, and uh, Jam Master J and DMC kind of scratch a little bit. We go to a nightclub. We, we go to a club. And the next day, you know, we, they say, oh, yeah, then you, you and Run DMC are going to play three-on-three -three versus the winner of the this three-on-three -three <laughs> tournament. So... I play a three-on-three -three with Run, Russell, DMC. We're playing three-on-three. -three. And it's funny, like, like, like you know, Run and DMC, like, they're good at basketball. Like, people, yeah. you know, they used to be on, you know, that one show, Run's House. Like, they're good. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we're, we're playing, and you can see, like, Run and DMC trying to run little plays, and they're yelling at each other, and <laughs> Russell's yelling at each other. I'm just sitting there like in awe, like here I am, you know. They're like, take it, big fella, you got it, you got it. Hey, double down to eight, double down to Earl, big Earl. So I'm like, after that day, I just, I was just like, okay, if I, if I got to leave the world today, then just God take me. Hey. I understand.
I understand. Amen I to just, that. Amen to that. Hey, Rose, said, guess what next I just radio, hung out man. and ate dinner with Run DMC. And come on, come on. Hey, that, is, that is a dream on a dream on a dream, man. Like to hear again, like I said, and I'm a, I'm a hip-hop guy, and they, like you, were the first ones. I remember turning on, what is it, Top 40 videos, and I would get the, uh, you know what I'm saying, the Walk This Way, and the King of Rock and all those videos that we stayed up late night to watch, man. Like, I remember when yeah. the King of Rock album came or whatever that one album came out, I dubbed it from one of my teammates in another city. Cause he, you yeah. know, they, he, he was a rich white boy. He had money. So he, his family had the album and I had to wait, like get my allowance to get it. And so he, he dubbed it for me. And I was just like, here I go. This is like forward, like fifteen years, right? That mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm dubbing your album, and fifteen years later, I'm sitting with you at dinner. Like you, you <laughs> could it. never, like you can't you can't write that in any story, right? Nah, man, that's a gift right there, man. You know it. You know it. That's yeah. a straight gift. Hey, Ace, hey, uh, let me let me ask you this. Here we are. We celebrated 50 years of hip hop, right? And you know, mm -hmm. and I and I definitely encourage everybody. 135 of the most influential hip hop and rap songs of all time. Um, make sure you grab that book. That is important, important, important. And I love the nostalgia of you know your your passion for for penning this and putting this out. But let me let me talk to you about 50 years of hip hop. Here we are right now, 2023. You know, uh, I always hear a lot of things about it. It's not how it used to be. Um, you know, there's a disconnect in terms of the creativity of it. Um, what are your thoughts on it? And, you know, what what do you expect hip-hop to be <laughs> 50 years into the future? <laughs> well, I mean, it's like with anything. You know, I, I played the game. I coached the game. Like, the game is played differently. Like, every sport is played differently, right? You know, I'm a avid football right. fan. I've seen football go from, you know, to run into ground and pound to the West Coast offense to the Wildcat to the three tight end set to, you know, to different things. Like in basketball, it used to be you, you played, you played out of, you played in the post first, right? You played inside out, right? Like I, I was, yeah. I played in the greatest center era of all time, right? I played you know, with and against Patrick Ewing, Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, Alonzo right. Mourning, Shaq, Rick Smith, Ronnie Cycli, you know, Kevin Duckworth, Luke Longley, like the best center era ever. And, and you played inside out, you know. Right. Now you, now you don't play inside out. Your, your center does not give you 20 points a game, right? There's I, I can't think of a center maybe – who averages 20-something points a game. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to pick that, right? Um, no doubt. Outside in now, it's, it's definitely not exactly. that. Exactly. Uh, um, and now the center shoot three points, you know, like, like uh, you know, exactly. Big Cat. You know, Big Cat from Minnesota, you shoot threes now. Like, you know, the Lopez exactly. brothers shoot threes now. So, yeah. so you know, rap, rap and hip-hop, and I think music has changed to that point. Uh, I like when you listen to it that you can hear – the influence in others. Right. So, like, I love, like, I, I love to listen to Megan Thee Stallion because she she sounds like um like Little Kim to me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, you can tell in her voice, and Cardi B, you can tell in her voice 
that that was an influence, right? And, it, and you right. don't have you, you don't have Little Kim and Foxy Brown. You probably don't have Megan Thee Stallion or Cardi B, right? Amen. Um, Amen. You know, I like Drake. You know, you can hear you can hear a lot of influence in Drake. And and I remember when we were in Toronto, we used to hear about this this young kid from Scarborough from Mississauga that was a rapper. And, and I'm sure I've had this underground tape because I had a tons of Toronto underground tapes, right, all the time. People would give me stuff all the time. Oh, listen to this. You got a record label. Listen to this. And I had a bunch of that stuff. And you could hear the New York and the, like, boot camp click and, you know, Helter Skelter and Buckshot Short. You could hear that um, influencing them because they were West Indian too, right? They were West Indian. And a lot of Toronto rappers have that West Indian influence. Um, so like, I'd like to listen to people to see the influence that you, that you have, that they have mm -hmm. um, and where that, you know what I mean? So I like to listen to a lot of the Chicago rappers, you know, cause I'm from Illinois and from the Midwest. And so like, I was into like, um, I listened to a little bit of King Von and the other guy. You know, <clears throat> it's unfortunate all those guys who got shot over Toronto. I mean, in, in Chicago, but you could hear the influence of Kanye West and Twista in their music, right? And and that's why it's so important for for people to just keep coming out because you don't know who you influence, right? And you know, and big shout out to Kanye because. I think Kanye legitimized, you know, Chicago, Illinois rap. If it wasn't for Kanye, none of those cats could come out and have a legitimate chance of getting a record deal. You know, none of those cats. And, and even Common, I mean, you know, Common, you know, Common and Kanye, you know, they were like pioneers. You know, Common was pioneer. Common had to go to New York to do a lot of his music, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, um, and Twista, like, you know, like Twista was a, he was a, he was a sideshow for a lot, for a lot of years. You know, he was just a guy who rapped fast. He got in the Guinness Book of World Records. Nobody took him serious. Right. Until, right. Right. until, you know, Common got a little bit more known and Kanye got a little bit known. And so, like I said, I like to listen to a lot of new rappers to hear the influence, you know, and I always say, I say, who is that? Like, I always ask people, who is that? And they're like, there's such a, like, oh, hell, he sounds like outcast. Oh, he sounds like such and such. He sound, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, right. so that's my thing. I like to listen to the new cats to hear the influence of, of others. Yeah. And, Ace, you know that when I hear you talk about influence and you mention these artists and these people who, you know, turned out to be not just pioneers, a lot of these people, Ace, had to hustle, though. Like, Kanye had... He had his first album, like, you know, people didn't talk about, oh, I don't think this is going to work. Like, but he did not, he denied that kind of vibe. And he might, he made sure once it got out, it was, it was evolutionary. It was something that, you know, people gravitated to because I feel like the work you put in, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you just stay relentless in who you are and never let it switch up, which is to my point right here when it comes to the culture of hip hop as well. You know how we talked about the birth of and how Run DMC made us feel and everything else. They did it their way. They had influence, but they did it their way as well. And I think yeah, you know, it's, not, it's, we just need 
we need creative we need creativity to to keep it moving into the next fifty years, and I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean, I like I think Drake is a is a perfect example of that. Like his style yeah. is his own style. Um, mm-hmm. I think Outkast and Ludacris were the same way, and that's David right. Banner, like those guys, had their own style and and they rolled with it, right? Whether it was People liked it or not. Like, people didn't like Ludacris at first, remember? People didn't like David Banner at first. That's you know? exactly right. And then, you know, and, and, and going back to Kanye, it's funny, and I put this in the book, and I didn't realize it that until I started talking about it, is, you know, if Kanye doesn't leave, like, think about the monumental decision. You know, he talks about that on the first album when, you know, the, the Hard Not Life Tour comes to Chicago. He opens uh-huh. up for he opens up for Jay Z, Dame and them tell them, Hey, when we get back to New York, you know, we'll call you, right? Right. And he, he tells his mom, we're not waiting for that. Let's not pay rent. Let's get in the U Haul and beat them to the studio. That's it. And they get in the U Haul and they leave Chicago to go to New York <laughs> and they beat they beat them home. They meet them at the studio, and and Dame signs them right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that and that changed drastically the whole realm of Chicago rap. Drastically now, right. and production, right? Yep. Now, mm-hmm. who else saw this story? Bone Thugs and Harmony. That's right. Right. Or I forget what. Well, no, actually, Kanye saw it before, but Bone Thugs and Harmony did the same thing when Easy E came. Easy E comes to Ohio with NWA, yeah, and and they steal the equipment. They steal the equipment, and then they say, "You know what? We want to open up for you so bad. We'll give you the equipment back if you." Yeah, let, that's you right. Open. I remember. <laughs> if you open, if you let us open, so you know. So think about this. Now think about this. Now think about this. Think about this. Easy E has to tell Ice Cube and Red and Dre. Should we let these dudes? Should we let these dudes rap, or should we just kill them now? Yeah. Easy E, Easy E, the businessman says, "You know what? We'll let them rap." They yeah. rap. They in that whole style with the the harmonizing style that you we hear today is all due to them, Bone yeah, Thugs right. and Harmony. They say the same thing. Ev says, "Oh man, when we get back home, we'll 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 call you." They say, "No, we're going to get on a bus." They get yep. on a bus or a Greyhound and meet them at the studio. Yeah, and that was that was Ev's last thing he ever did on his deathbed. Yep. Is he signed? You know, he got Jerry Heller to sign them. Right, and if they don't believe in themselves with no money, getting on a Greyhound bus, the whole Midwest sound of that harmonizing, rapping fast, rapping slow, can't really understand what you're saying, but it sounds so good. Like you know, we never get that, right? Nah, and, nah. and it's and it's unique that only two to this day that I know of, only two groups have ever done that. Say, you know what? We're not waiting for the call. <laughs> we're going to meet you. And yep. both of them were Midwest groups, right? 
Both of them were yep. groups that from Midwest, Kanye and Bone Thugs and Harmony. So, like what you said, just believing in yourself, and that drastically have changed rap and hip hop music for the rest of the rest of the of the of, of time. You know, the, those two monumental feats will, will never be created again, in my opinion. I agree. Amen to that. AC Earl's my guest on Next Legacy Radio, and that. And to me, that's how legacies are built. It's a lot of uh, risk reward. It's a lot of sacrifices. There's a lot of stuff that you put in. And to be able to do something, because you've done it throughout your career, not just in sports, but even now in what you're doing and how you're paving the way for other people to be able to grab onto just being able to pay it. Like, and I'm going to talk about you for a second because, you know, I feel like I could talk to you for a long-ass time, but, I'm I'm a I'm a pivot to you. Do you feel like when it's all said and done, like because I feel like you've done enough, and you and I this is the first time we've ever had dialogue, and I've admired you, um, you know, and you paved the way for a lot of motivational stuff. Do you feel like that you you know what, um, I I've done pretty good paying it forward based on my efforts to be able to help others. Yeah, I mean, you know, I look back at it like I had, you know, I was getting recruited back in. College, high school to go to college, and I made a monumental decision that didn't make a lot of sense. You know, I went to University of Iowa, and they had they had five guys on the roster that were over six eight that had wow. not played the year before, and so a lot of the colleges were like, "Why go there when you could come yeah. here and play right away?" And I was like, "Well, I believe in myself. I believe that I can beat those guys out." And I ended up doing. It took me two years to do it. But I did it. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, and w- like when Toronto came, when we went to the expansion draft, there's a lot of guys, you know, we talk about that. There's a lot of, one of my former Iowa teammates, BJ Armstrong, was in that expansion draft. Mm-hmm. He, told Isaiah, he told Isaiah he didn't want to go. And so mm-hmm. here I am, like, man, I'm excited to play with BJ. And, and he told Isaiah, I'm not, I'm not interested in going to an expansion franchise. I, I want to go win championships. I'm used to winning championships. And so, like, hey, a lot of guys, yeah, hey, did not go. Before, There's about five or six guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go yeah, ahead. I'm sorry, sorry. To cut, sorry to cut you off, Ace. Was that before or after BJ became a warrior? Because I know somewhere in between. He, oh, he, he was, was a warrior. A, he, he was a war. So he got traded. And, I, you know, and maybe off on a couple of things. He, he got traded from the Bulls to the Warriors. Ah, there you go. There and you go. then the Warriors put him on, uh, put him, did not protect him in the expansion draft. That, that's, that's right. So okay. he, he, he got selected by Toronto with Isaiah. And then he told Isaiah he didn't want to play there. And then, uh-huh. um, and then, or I believe that, and then what happened is um, we actually traded BJ. No, 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 he was with Charlotte. He's with Charlotte. That's what happened. He's with okay. Charlotte. Charlotte didn't protect him. Yeah. Isaiah picked him up, and then he traded BJ to Golden State for Carlos Rogers. That's it. That's it. For, Carlos, That's it. for Carlos Rogers and Victor Alexander. That is correct. That is so correct. So then we wow, got Carlos and Victor. We got Carlos and Victor, and then Victor, who I'd known from, he played at Iowa State, and I'd known Victor, you know, very, you know, not close friend, but I knew Victor, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to play with Victor. 
And Victor was like, I'm not playing here. Victor was like, I'm not playing here either. Trade me. So it was like a lot of guys that didn't want to, just as much as guys wanted to be there because you had to kind of repair. You know, like I was one of those guys that had to kind of repair my, my, you know, my playing career from, you know, I had one good year in Boston, the second year, you know, not so Uh much. And so a lot of us were trying to repair our, our playing image and trying to repair our career, resurrect our career. But there was a lot of guys who were like, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to be here. Right. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so that was, you know, that was a daunting moment. And then, you know, going overseas, you know, after I, you know, got cut from Milwaukee, I could have either, you know, retired, stayed home, did something else. Or I was like, you know what? I still got some basketball in me. So I'm going, I'm going to go play overseas. And unfortunately I did. I I played eight years and won three championships and three MVPs in eight years overseas. So that's it. um, That alone, that alone has, you know, resiliency, uh, effort, and you just not giving up on you um, when it's all said and done because you still had and still have enough to be able to give and pay it forward. And I feel like when you're, when you're a career guy, not just in the NBA, but, you know, and now as an author um, and, and doing everything that you can as far as, uh, you know, all the different things you have going on. Um, do you realize, man, and, and, I'm, and I'm realizing this, especially as a business owner too, like it's not even about you anymore. It's about the stuff that you need to do to just give it back. Like I know I've been saying this all day with you, but paying it forward and giving it back, it, it's no longer about you, Ace. It's really about, like, <laughs> the other people with the yeah, impact. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, life, right? Yeah, so, you know, after I played, you know, obviously my kids were starting to get older, and I started coaching my kids, and so I coached AAU for 12 years. And then I did high school. And it's funny, like, when I do camps and clinics, the guys who I hire, I try to hire my former players, like kids who played for me. So it's funny, like, just as many, just as much as I, you know, kids, the parents have paid for AAU and stuff. And I, I tell the parents, I'm like, Hey, now they can make a little of the money back that you guys pay. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's funny that I, you know, I used to train a kid. I never forget. Uh, one of my best kids I ever trained and coached Harley and, uh, his, he was he was a smaller kid, and I, I think I, tr- I started started training him maybe in fourth grade or fifth grade. But I never forget his mom used to bring him in a in a car seat, right? Wow! <laughs> so wow. I used to see this wow. kid in a car seat, and this kid has worked like probably ten of my camps so far, right? So then he drives, and I just you know like when you see him in the parking lot getting out of his own car, and I'm just like, wow. Like, crazy, huh? You know, That's crazy. Eight, Sixteen years ago, fifteen <laughs> years ago, his mom used to bring him in a car seat. And now the kid, yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I love, I love giving back and hiring ex players, and I love seeing my ex players like out and about and talking to the parents. And um, you know, I get so many calls and texts throughout the year of kids that are on different teams and college and like you know i i have a bunch of kids in college now about a couple girls that are seniors that played for me and uh i get these texts random texts on a sunday like hey turn on fox hey turn on big 10 network turn on 
turn on ESPN three, you know, such and such is playing, and you know, so I usually yeah. turn on where I could see them play a little series, and parents will thank me. Oh, thank you very much, thank you very much, you know. So, um, so yeah, oh, it's man. fun to it's fun to have played a role uh, and to be appreciated because at the time, I don't. It's like being in the rap music or being in a music movement at the time. Like, you, you just do it. You know, I tell people all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't do things to to get, um, you know, praises. Or I didn't do things just to be on TV or be in a record book. I just did it. Like, I just played the right way. Like, I just coached the right way. I didn't. I didn't have this ultimate goal. Like, hey, if I do this right, I can have... 20 girls that play division one basketball, or I could have 50 kids that go to, you know what I mean? I just coached. I just coach. I just played. Like I didn't, I didn't play to get in the record book. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just played like, Oh, okay. I'm the first Raptor to block a shot. I'm the first Raptor to make a free throw. I'm the first Raptor to Mm -hmm. score double digits in a, in a game. Like I have, you know, 15, 18 Iowa records. Like, I didn't play to get the records. I just played. I just coached, you know. And it's, so it's fun to get, you know, to kind of come back years later and get like, well, thank you for doing that. You know, wow, you did this. And I'm like, wow, I guess I did. <laughs> Man, no doubt. And an impact yeah. you have not just in the people that you are working with in your circle, but, you know, uh, the folks outside of your circle, um, you know, like myself and other people in different states and whatnot. Is really is really appreciative. You can follow man AC Earl uh, uh, Instagram phenom underscore Iowa. You can hit up the website uh, venomsportstraining.com, Thirteen rules underscore inc. And make sure in in addition to all that, make sure you grab the book one hundred thirty five of the most influential hip hop and rap songs of all time. He'll tell yeah. you why in the book. I began reading it, so you know, you know, we don't, you're gonna have to double back and come. I'm gonna do my review because um, I'm I'm so deep into it right now, and it's just yeah, like I yeah, told yeah. You, give man, me one, back. give me one group that I, you know, we could have went either way on, or give me one group I, you were surprised on something that you've seen, or give me a group or give well, me a even song. Talking yeah. to you, well, even talk to you about uh, you know, you how you mentioned UTFO. I'm I, I can I can also I can also add on to that, and maybe it's because I have you know a, a little bit of you know by I mean I you know rest in peace Kango Kid. Um, you know I've I've developed a cool uh you know nice little little vibe with Doc Ice, um, okay. educator rapper rest in peace. Um, but I feel like I feel like they don't get enough credit for the impact that they had in the hip hop community as well, in my opinion, but. UTFO is always that one group that I feel like, man, they didn't pay attention to them enough. You know what I mean? As far as yeah, you know, speaking of that, and I and I and I will tell you, like that's one of my favorite groups because that's one of the first concerts I've ever saw live. I mm-hmm. saw them live with Roxanne in eighth grade, I think. Yeah, um, and. I, I think the Roxanne movement overshadowed them um, to a point. I And I also think I also think this. I, I I can't remember what record label they signed with. I don't know. Were they with Sleeping Bag? Sleeping Bag Record or Sleeping Bag Records or whatnot? I think you might be right. 
In your mind, yeah, right? but I think I think if they would have signed with a better record label, I think I think I think the history is different on them. Agree, um, and you also got to remember you know, Ace that Ace. You got to remember also that um, Roxanne began that that era of. Uh, <laughs> They, they, it was a lot of Roxanne Wars back in that day too. Like you know that that morphed into Sparky D, Roxanne Shante, oh you know, yeah. real Roxanne. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know uh, what was it? Oh God, Roxanne's Roxanne's <laughs> Roxanne's father, yeah, yeah. Roxanne's grandmother, Roxanne's <laughs> uncle. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, I think the movement, I think the movement <laughs> overshadowed them. Right. Where Ace, it took a life of his own, bruh. It took a life yeah, of his own. Yeah, that's And that, you know, and that's why you gotta put him in. That's why you gotta put him in there because that that okay. started the like when a song just took off. Like that started the whole like you know people made a record and never was never was heard from again. Like exactly, exactly. Whoever made Roxanne's <laughs> uncle and Roxanne's grandmother. You right, know, and I never right. forget. Like I used to ask, like I, like I said, like man, like my boy from D.C. Like he went home for Christmas, and he he came back with Roxanne's uncle and Roxanne's grandmother, and that dude, <laughs> that dude was the cool. Listen, that dude was the coolest dude at school, man. You couldn't tell that dude. You couldn't tell that dude nothing, right? That dude walked in the hallway. Nobody messed with that dude. That dude had. We came back with Roxanne's uncle and Roxanne's grandmother, man. <laughs> it was a wrap. It was a wrap, man. Yeah. yeah, I think I think overall, man, when it comes when it comes down to it, it's 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 very interesting how a lot of you know the uh, you know the hip hop path as far as you know how not just artists but you know songs or specifics that comes in and be like you know you can tell a story that can tell another story that can tell another story that you can be able to do that for uh for years on end, man. And I and I think it's important for people to go grab this book, go get it, go continue to read it like I have and. And just soak it all in because there's so much history, man, that comes with it. And and I need everybody to go grab it. It's available on Amazon, right? People can go get yeah, it. Yeah, thank goodness uh, for Amazon. Yeah. And, I, you know, like I said, I grew up in the Midwest. So, like, the only hip-hop that I grew up on was, like, the East Coast popular stuff, right? The Rock yeah. Kim and Biz and, and stuff. And so – my roommate Hans, who's from Vermont, he's big, big New York guy. Like he's the one who put me on, like true hip hop, like Diamond D and Fat Joe, and like, and so I put him on all the Midwest. Like you know, I was Midwest, so I was Common, uh, you know, um, Twister. I was uh, Ghetto Boys, you know, Luke Skywalker. Home team, you know, Ice T, NWA, Rodney O and Joe Cooley, like I, you know, so like we were just like a pair, right? Because between both of us, like, like nobody had our music collection on campus. Like we were, we were rival. People would come over to our house on Tuesday nights and dub and just dub all day and night, right? <laughs> like, like we were like we were like a tag team of mute, like you know what I mean, and and Hans yeah. put me like Hans put me onto a lot of stuff. And then he put me on the real, like the Helter Skelter and the Gangstar and um, like he put me on Pete Rock and CL Smooth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was I knew Heavy D. I mean I had Heavy D, 
But he was like, no, y'all listen to their cousins, man. Pete Rock and CL Smooth, man. And I Heavy was D like, was okay. Heavy D was yeah. amazing. His music is timeless, man. That that is that you know. Again, I get you know when you go when you go off and run these uh, groups and these names, man. I get chills still because I just remember how I felt when I listened to their music. Their music was a certain energy that does give you like, hey, man. Come on, man. Keep it solid, Ace. I don't get chills for everything and everybody. No, it's man. Listen, no to listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Not to cut you off. Listen to this. I, I'm doing a turn. I'm doing a camp like. 2015 and we did the camp and then the other part of the camp was like um it was a tournament and these teams came in from like new york and new jersey and and, and or, you know dc to, to play against each other uh-huh. and there was a team and i looked at the thing and the team said some high school from mount vernon new york and so as the team started warming up i go like this money earned in mount vernon and the kids looked at me. The kids looked at me. These are, these are 15, 16-year-old kids. They look at me, right. and they go, how you know about that? And I go, man, you guys are too young to even know where you got your nickname from. <laughs> and the coach comes up to me. The coach comes up to me like, yeah, man, they don't know. They don't know. And I was oh, like, wow. yeah, man. I start rattling off Heavy D, Pete Rock, CL Smooth, Trouble T-Roy. And, and the kids are like, who are them dudes? And the coach is like, the coach look at me like this. And I'm like, yeah. So even the kids, like, the kids didn't even know where they got their name. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. Like, the kids didn't even oh, know man. that. Like, you know, like, they like they knew their money earned in Mount Vernon, but they don't know why their money, out, money earned in Mount Vernon. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's funny how that, to that, you know, that works to even to this day, right? Man, that's the evolution of it all, my brother. Man, that is it, man. Listen, as we wrap, man, I want to not just thank you, uh, you know, and I'm going to continue to keep spreading the word about the book, you know, have people follow all on social media. Um, You know, Ace, man, not only is it a pleasure, I want to come back because when I'm done with the book, I definitely want to, I will definitely want to have a part two to this, and we got to dive into it. For sure, yeah, at any time, man. You want to come back and talk basketball during the playoffs? When the playoffs start, let's talk basketball. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're going you're gonna to get a lot of social media hits and love in, in general, but I got to not just everything that you've done, and you've heard me started to kick it off, but I will, I will say this, man. Like, we need more of this. We need more energy like this. We need more opportunity for people to hear, see, feel, that it is cool to be able to give props up top for others, but also to be able to just keep that effort and make sure that that effort is relentless. One thing I can say about you, and we just met, and one thing that I can say about myself, I will never stop my effort. That will always be, no matter what happens and what I do, that will be relentless to the day I go. And, yeah, and 100%, I, and I appreciate man. It. Appreciate the love. Definitely, sure. man, definitely. Yep, I'm here, my brother. I'm here. I'll make sure I hit you okay. on social, and I'll make sure I lock you in with my uh, with my information too, man. But man, thank thanks for the thanks for the love. And, and Next Legacy is gonna give that that you know that that love, that spin, that promo, all that stuff, man. Because you know you got a home right here with us, bro. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Next Legacy.